Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. My name's Ben and I am uh, the worship pastor here at Elevation Hills. Um, and if you are new with us, if this is your first time, I just want to give you such, such a warm welcome. I, we are so excited that you're here with us today. Uh, you have joined us in the middle of our series, The Powerhouse, a church on fire. So good. I am so excited for this series. Last week, we had the, the dean of our Bible college, uh, Pastor Andrew Staggs, down. Uh, and he brought an amazing word. If you missed it, go watch it. It is on YouTube. Next week, we have our executive pastor, Miles Pulliden, down, uh, bringing a word around bold speaking. The week after, we have our young adults pastor from the Gold Coast, uh, Isaac Lenton down, and he will be bringing a word around healing. The week after, we have one of my favorite preachers, my wife, uh, bringing a word around the church we see in uh, the book of Acts. And then the last week, we have guest preacher, Pastor Daniel Bates, and he's going to bring such an amazing word that will wrap up our series. And you can probably also see that every second week, we actually have extended worship at our PM service. So if you're thinking about doing the double, do it. Come back tonight. The first uh, extended worship uh, night is tonight, and it is just the time that we are going to push into the Holy Spirit. We're going to be worshiping our Lord and Savior, Jesus, and we're just going to see what the Holy Spirit does. But today... You've got me. Today, we are going to be speaking on Acts 2, the day of Pentecost. And the title of my message is, Every Day is Pentecost. Because we need a church that has undergone Pentecost, that has undergone the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The world doesn't need another hug. It doesn't need another good thought. It doesn't need another good vibe. It needs a power-filled church, and it needs a powerful God. Do we believe that here today? We, believe we need a powerful church to go out into the world to reach the lost and just declare God's glory. So today what we're doing, we'll be going through Acts 2, uh, we'll be, and then at the end we're going to just allow the Holy Spirit to do what He does. We're going to give time to worship our Lord and just allow the Holy Spirit to do what He does. So turn with me to Acts 2 verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And this was a Sunday. They were doing church. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided or cloven or distributed tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as a spirit gave them utterance. Now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Because at this time, it was actually the, uh, the Feast of Weeks. It was a festival where Jews from all around the Mediterranean had come to Jerusalem to celebrate this festival. So they were there. They were outside the house. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? 
Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking, said they are filled with new wine. When there, whenever there is a true and pure move of God, there will always be mockers. Whenever the Holy Spirit falls and does miraculous things, there will always be people saying, this is not of God, this is not true, this is not the God that we serve. But time and time again, they are proven wrong. And we see that from the first time the Spirit falls. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only 9 a.m. But this is that which was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall, note that word, shall, shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And even on my male servants and my female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. He's not saying they might. He's not saying they may be. He's saying they will. They shall be filled and will prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke, and the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I love this, I love this passage because Peter is saying here, it doesn't matter who you are, the, the, God will pour out his spirit on all flesh. It doesn't matter if you're male or female, old, young, rich, poor, Jew, Gentile, whoever you are, the Spirit is available to fill you right now. The Spirit is ready and able. But before we get too much into it, let's pray. Let's uh, pray that the Holy Spirit fill this room. Lord, we just thank you for who you are, that you are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. You are the one who is, who was and is and is to, is to come. We just pray that your spirit fill this room, that you pour out your spirit on us this morning, that you speak to us, Lord, and that you speak through me. These are not my words, but these are your words. This is the word of the Lord being spoken out. And we lift it up to you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Quick show of hands. Who was raised or spent most of their life in a charismatic or Pentecostal type of church? Okay. Who has who's, uh, been raised or spent most of their time in a more reformed or conservative type of church? Oh, it's like half and half. This is great. That was me. I was raised in a very conservative church. Like, my, the, like I, I lead the worship here, and it's amazing. I'm not saying it wasn't amazing in my other church, but it was like one guitar, a piano, and every week, just some random woodwind instrument. Some weeks it was clarinet. Some weeks it was saxophone. Sometimes it was a flute, never together, just one of them. That's the type of church that I was raised in. And we, we didn't really speak on the Holy Spirit. So I didn't know who he was. I didn't know what he did. I understood, I understood that he was real. He was part of the Trinity. I understood that he was in me. But to what end? I had no idea. 
it wasn't until I came to this church and I was surrounded by other spirit-filled believers that I was able to see what the Holy Spirit was for, that I was able to see what the Holy Spirit does. And I'm not saying that my church was wrong, this is church, she's right. What I'm saying is it took me getting around other spirit-filled believers to understand. That's what it took for me. And then eventually uh, I had some friends pray for me. And honestly, right away, I did not speak in tongues. I just felt like it was like bubbles, like just random noises in my mouth. But over a few years, actually, it took me time to just uh, to learn the word, to seek God, to understand what it is for and what, I was, what was happening inside of me. But I can now stand here today and say, I know without a, fact, without a doubt that I am baptized in the Holy Spirit and it is available to you today. It is available to fill you. And I believe that God wants to pour out a fresh baptism of fire here today. He wants to pour out a fresh anointing on, the, on you in the room. That's what I believe God wants to do today. And while we always go to Acts 2 as kind of the crux of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's what we call this pouring out of the Spirit, it's actually all through Acts. It's not confined to chapter 2. It's all through Acts, but it's all also prior to Acts. Back in Joel 2, he, he prophesied that there will be a day that the Lord will pour out his flesh. And that's the passage that Peter actually used to explain and confirm what was happening. But then in Luke 3, we see John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, he was this guy that apparently ate locusts and honey. But that's who he was, and he was uh, baptizing people in the Jordan River. He kept baptizing day after day in water, and eventually he started getting a following. There was people that looked to him, and they were wondering, they were like, are you the Messiah? Are you the Christ? Are you the one we are waiting for? But he said, no, I baptize you with water. The one who is to come that we are waiting for you, waiting for, sorry, I'm not even worthy to untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. That is what he will do. That is what Jesus will do, and I believe he'll do today. But so John is he's baptizing people in the Jordan that day after day, waiting for this guy. And then one day he sees him coming. He sees Jesus coming. And he, he must be so excited. He's like, today's the day. Today is the day of the Lord. It is here. I am so excited. And as Jesus comes, Jesus asks John, can you baptize me? If I was John, I'd be so confused. I'm like, and he says, no, I don't want to baptize you. I want you to baptize me. I know that I need your baptism. Because John was living in a day where the Holy Spirit could fall and rest on people and help them do miraculous and wondrous things, but it was only ever temporary. But he was looking forward to a day when the Holy Spirit will be poured out in power on all flesh and stay there continually. But Jesus said, that is not today. That is not today. So John baptizes Jesus. And as Jesus comes out of the water, the heavens open and a voice from heaven says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And like a dove, the Holy Spirit falls on Jesus and fills him. Up until this point, Jesus is about 30 years old, but he's done no miracles. He's done no ministry. He's done nothing even special. He hasn't even changed water into wine yet. He hasn't done anything. 
He has been waiting in the will of God, in obedience to God, waiting in, uh, in learning and preparation for God's yes. But then, and then, so he doesn't do anything until he is full of the Spirit. And then in Luke 24, he tells the disciples the same thing. He says, he says Behold, I am sending the promise of the Father. I love that Jesus here calls it the promise because I know if God says something, I believe it. But if he promises something, I'll expect it. Are you expectant here this morning? But stay, stay in the city until you are clothed with power. Do not leave. Do not do anything until you are clothed with power and fire. Jesus showed them that he didn't do anything until he was full. And then he told them to do the same. He said, do not do anything until you are full of the power. So why is it that today we have so many people, so many Christians trying to do just that? Living outside the power of the Holy Spirit. Trying to do ministry without the fire. Trying to reach lost without the power. And trying to just do ministry, just do general life in their own, in their own strength. Why do we try to do something that Jesus never did? Why are we trying to do something that Jesus never did? And I'm not talking about even big miracles or preaching from a pulpit or whatever it is. I'm talking about our daily interactions, the ones where we can go into our workplace and be Jesus in their world. I know there are people here that are praying for their kids. They want their kids to come to know Christ. But if we do not have the power, we are unable to do what Jesus did. To live a life like Jesus, we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Then in Luke 4, in Luke 4, 1, we see Jesus left the Jordan full of the Spirit. And this is when his ministry started. But the funny thing is, is the first thing he did wasn't a miracle. The first thing he did was he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness and faced the enemy. He faced trials, he faced temptations, he faced struggles, but he faced them full of the Holy Spirit. That's what I believe as the, one of the reasons we need the uh, Holy Spirit in our lives. The power is when we are facing struggles, trials, when we are facing our temptations, whatever we are facing, we need the power within us to make it to the other side, to get to the other side the way that Jesus did. He then, after leaving the wilderness, he went out and started doing miracles. He changed water into wine. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He cleansed the lepers. He healed the sick. He gave sight back to the blind. He did all of these miraculous things. He cast out demons and he lived in full surrender and obedience to God to the point where he died for your sins. That is why we need the power. We need the power within us so that we are able to live a life of obedience and in full surrender to Jesus, so that we are able to see miraculous things in our world, so we are able to face the trials, to face the temptations that come across in life, so we can cast out demons. Jesus said that you will do greater works than I. Greater. But the funny thing about this word is whenever we hear the word greater, we think bigger, we think better. But Jesus raised a man from the dead. I don't think there's a better miracle than that. Right? When he's saying greater, he's not talking about quality, but quantity. Jesus lived in ministry for three years. The church has been living in ministry for 2,000. 
That is the greater works that we are able to do in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the power I see in Scripture, it is for two things. The first, sanctification. That is growing in the Spirit, growing in holiness, growing to be more like Jesus. And as we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us and to change our hearts, and as Romans 12 says, to change our minds, we become more like Jesus. And eventually, we are able from within us to flow the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We are able to have these things flow out of us because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And the second thing that I see the power is for is for building the church. That is what Jesus did. It wasn't until he was full of the Spirit that he performed miracles. It wasn't until he was full of the Spirit that he said the kingdom of God is here. It wasn't until he was full of the Spirit that he said repent and believe. That is what Jesus did. We live in a hurting, broken, confused, upside-down world. They have no hope. They can't see into their future. They don't know what they're looking at. They need a church that is full of power, that can declare the goodness of God, declare the hope of Jesus Christ. That is what they need. They need a church that is full of power, that is able to get round them in prayer. When their natural looks like death, disease, despair, suffering, loss, they don't want the natural anymore. They want the supernatural workings of God. That is what they want. They want a God that has come down from the throne and is Emmanuel, God with us. They don't need another church. They don't need another powerless church trying their best. They need a church full of power, full of the power of God to go out into the world. That is what our world needs. That is what our neighbors need. I will hedge a bet that every single person in this room know someone that doesn't know Jesus. If you want your friends, your family, your colleagues to come to know Christ, you need the power. You need it. And in Acts 1.8, it says, when you, are, uh, when you are full of the Spirit, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. You will be my witnesses. Now, we can be witnesses with the fruit of the Spirit. We can be witnesses by just living a life dedicated to God, being becoming more and more like Jesus every day. We are able to do that. But another way that we are able to be witnesses is through the gifts of the Spirit. And that's actually where we get the word charismatic. So charismatic comes from the Greek word charisma or charismata, which literally means uh, gifts of grace or gifts of the Spirit. That's what it is. And we can see through all the Bible, there's about th over 30 gifts that God can give to his people. But I love uh, the description given in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit. So not just the Spirit within us, but the manifestation of the Spirit outside of us. It is for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit words of wisdom, to another words of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, 
All these are empowered by the one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. I love here, before Paul even starts talking about the spiritual gifts and what they are, he tells, tells us what they're for. They are for the common good. They are for others. Your spiritual gifts are not for you. Your spiritual gifts are for others. They are for witnessing and for edification of the church. If you are trying to use your spiritual gift for yourself, you are using it wrong. Spiritual gifts are outward working signs that can declare the power of God and declare the glory of God and declare the truth of God. That is what spiritual gifts are for. They are outward gifts. And in Mark 16, Jesus says that when you declare the gospel, signs will follow. When you declare the gospel, signs will follow as a, declar- as a confirmation of the truth. That is what the power is for. The power is for sanctification and for building the church. This is why we need the power. Now, I don't have enough time to go through spiritual gifts. That is a whole series in of itself. But I do want to touch on one really quickly, tongues. Now, uh, Pastor Andrew uh, did an amazing job last week talking about tongues. But I just want to say, if you haven't experienced tongues, if you haven't had tongues fill you before, I just want to tell you, it's not weird. It's nothing to fear. It's nothing to be weary of. It's something that is given to us by God as a prayer language so we can have direct access to Him whenever we want. It's actually a prayer language that the enemy can't even understand. So when we pray to God, the enemy can't understand, but we are able to pray to Him. In 1 Corinthians 14.2, it says, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. When we are praying, it is not our mind praying. It is our spirit, because we are mind, soul, and spirit. So when when we are praying in tongues, it is our spirit intertwined with the Holy Spirit speaking through us. And our mind, it doesn't get turned off. It It actually goes to rest, so that our mind doesn't that can't stop what we are trying to pray, but our spirit can pray through us. And science agrees. They've done tests on a pastor who was praying in tongues, and they uh, sorry that he was speaking in English. And when he was speaking, uh, they were doing a brain scan, and it was activity in the part of the brain that does language, that does words. But then when he switched to tongues, it wasn't active anymore. It was not his mind creating tongues. It was the spirit that was living with inside of him that was speaking and speaking through him directly into the throne room of God. That is what tongues is and that is what it is for. And this, this was the understanding of all the church fathers. It was, all the church fathers, back to the apostles, this was the understanding that spiritual gifts and the power is for today and it is for the witness. And we can see uh, in 1 Corinthians, this 1 Corinthians 13, this is a verse that a lot of people use to try and show why tongues and prophecy is not for today. It says, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. All Bible-believing Christians do believe tongues and prophecy will pass away. But it is only when the perfect comes. 
And that perfect is Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but He has not come back yet. If somebody has told you that Christ has returned, I'm really sorry to say they're probably in a cult. Okay? Jesus Christ has not returned. Therefore, tongues and prophecy is for today. We need it. We won't need tongues in eternity. We won't need prophecy in eternity because we'll be with Him. We'll be able to speak to Him. We will know Him. But until that day, if we still need knowledge, some more than others, we still need prophecy and we still need tongues. Amen? We still need it today. And this can go all the way back to the church fathers that wrote, wrote books, and we still have it today. So in about 300, more than 350 years after, uh, after Pentecost, there lived a man called St. Augustine. He was one of the greatest theologians of the past 2,000 years. And he wrote a book called The City of God. And we can still buy that. We can still read it today. But within the book, he wrote 13 pages full of first-hand testimonies of signs, miracles, and wonders that he saw. These weren't signs that he heard about. These weren't signs that he read about. These were miracles and healings that he witnessed himself. Like people being healed um, of disease, um, people being having demons cast out of them. Even there's one testimony of a boy that was run over by an ox cart and he was restored back to full health. And the, my favorite part of, of the whole chapter is what he calls it. The title of the chapter is Of Miracles Which Were Wrought That the World Might Believe in Jesus. Miracles That Have Not Ceased Since the World Believed. Augustine believed that the miracles were for today, that signs were for today, that the power was for witness. This is what the, the early church believed from Ignatius to Novation to St. Augustine through to, uh, Thomas Aquinas, through the Great Awakening with Jonathan Edwards and then all the way to the 19th, 20th century with Azusa Street. And that, is the birth, that was the birth of the modern Pentecostal church. But even more recently... In the past seven years, I've seen some amazing things happen. I've had so many people ask me, how did you go from such a conservative church to being such a charismatic Christian? And I tell them, when you see a dead man come back to life, it kind of ruins your theology. (laughs) But even more personally, I still remember the day when Jesus healed me of my allergies. I was allergic to some weird stuff. If you want to know, come talk to me later. But I was allergic to some weird stuff. And I remember the night which he healed me. And the next morning, I was having breakfast with one of my best friends. And he must have forgotten what I was allergic to. And he gave it to me. No reaction. And I haven't had a reaction since. That is the God that we serve. That is the God that we worship. He is here today, readily available to fill you with the power, to fill you with the fire. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He is here. He is ready, and He is willing, and He is wanting to fill us. We need the fire. In Acts 2.3, it says, And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them. And rested on each one of them. The fire is the manifest presence of God. That is what the fire is. And that fire, He wants us 
to have that within us. And we see that all through the Old Testament. Moses with a burning bush, fire. The Israelites, when they're being led through the wilderness at night, fire. Solomon, when he dedicated the temple, fire. Elijah, when he was uh, uh, versing the prophets of Baal, fire. Fire is the manifest presence of God, and he wants us to be filled with that. But the funny thing about fire is it requires three things. It requires oxygen, heat, and fuel. Oxygen is the Holy Spirit. The, the heat is the power. I love in Acts 2, it was a, a wind that came through the house and left fire. But the third thing, the fuel. The fuel is our hunger. The fuel is our desire. In 1 Corinthians 14.1, it says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. We need to desire the things of God. We need to desire the things of heaven. We need to desire the spiritual gifts, not for ourselves, but for others. We need to desire it. Because here's the thing. You can want something, but not desire it. You can want to eat healthy, but you will eat two pizzas. You, you could want to read more, but you will watch five episodes of Netflix. You could want to spend more time with God, but sleeping in is just a little bit easier. You can want the Holy Spirit, but he will, he will not fill you. And that's because, it's not because God can't fill you. He can. He can do anything. But it's that he wants to partner with people that want to partner with him. That's what God wants. He wants people to partner with him so they can go out into the world and be a witness of his glory, of his power, and of his truth. And I see in Acts three ways that the filling can happen. In Acts 2 and Acts 8, I see what is a, a secondary or separate baptism to salvation. So it's separate from salvation. So it can happen differently. And what that says to me is that it can happen to anyone. The second type is a simultaneous baptism. So a baptism of the Holy Spirit that happens as you believe. That tells me that it can happen at any time. And the third one that I think is so important, and this is the one that I think that God wants to pour out today, is a refilling baptism. In Acts 4, what we see is the disciples that were filled in Acts 2, they had gone out into the world, they started preaching the gospel, declaring the kingdom of God was here, but they got pushed back. You know what's funny? There's actually so many similarities between Jesus and this early church. Before Jesus was baptized, we see in Luke 3, he was praying. Before the disciples were baptized in Acts 2, they were praying. And then as after he was baptized, Jesus went out into ministry. And after the disciples were baptized, they went out into ministry and both saw pushback. Both faced trials. But what did the disciples do? Did they run away and said, this is too hard? No. They went back and they prayed. And it says in Acts 4, 31, and, they, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Because we don't just need one baptism. We, one baptism won't last you for eternity. We need constant fillings every day. We cannot let a day go past without where, where we do not have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. 
That's what we need. We need encounters every single day. And they might not all be life-changing encounters, but they will all be refreshing encounters. They will be refreshing encounters that will fill us, that will clothe us in power so we are able to go out into the world and live the life that Jesus wants us to live. And I believe that God wants to pour out a fresh baptism today. He, he does. He wants to fill some people. But just before that, if you don't know this Jesus that we're talking about, if you, you might have known Him, but you walked away, I just want to let you know He loves you. In John 3, 16, it says that the, the, for God, He gave His Son, His only Son to earth because He loved us. He loves you and He wants you to know Him and He wants the, His Holy Spirit to fill you. So with eyes closed, if that's you, if you don't know this Jesus or if you, if you are far from Jesus, I feel there's a few people here that, that need to make this decision. If you don't know this Jesus, if you are far from Him, He is calling you home. And if that's you, if you want to start or restart your walk with Jesus, I just ask you to raise your hand. Yep, I see that hand. So good. Come on, church, let's pray. Lord, we just pray for this bold man, Lord, that he wants to walk with you. He wants to be full of your spirit, Lord. We just lift him up right now. We pray that you come down in fire and fill him, that you just show him the way. Your word is a lamp until our feet, Lord. I pray that you fill him with your knowledge, your spirit, and you just direct him in the way that he needs to go. And I pray for everybody else here, that if they are wanting to make that decision, they've made that decision in their heart, I pray that you fill them right now.